Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning and welcome to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm the Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker, which basically means that I go out into the community and learn about what other people and organizations are doing to make a difference in the lives of others, and then I share that. I share the information and the resources that are available. After I learn about what others are doing in the way of impact and giving back, then I share what Ellen Becker does in that regard. One of the ways that EIG gives back is through this radio show. We highlight nonprofits that are doing great things in the community and who are focusing on solutions to real-life problems and challenges. Now, we don't skirt around the issues, but instead we bring awareness to them, and then we focus on the ways that these various organizations are being the change that they want to see in the world. And you're really guaranteed to hear good stuff on a variety of different organizations and topics. So... On to our topic today. In case you were not aware, October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So our discussion today is going to start around that topic as we talk with a local nonprofit in Waukesha County that focuses on providing shelter and protection for women experiencing domestic violence. And then in some cases, there may be a certain level of mental illness connected to this violence scenario. So then we'll talk with another nonprofit that focuses in that area. Now, we realize that sometimes our topics of discussion can be tough to talk about, but nothing is solved by turning a blind eye and acting as if the challenge doesn't exist. And one of those challenging issues is domestic violence. Um, You know, Milwaukee and the surrounding areas are not unlike many large cities in America today with crime rates and domestic violence hitting all-time highs. So we're going to focus our attention today on those people and the organizations who make the goal of, uh, they have a goal of making our city a more safe, caring, and compassionate place to live and work. So today my first guest is Angela Mancuso, Executive Director of the Women's Center in Waukesha. Welcome to the show today, Angela. Thanks, Jill. Now, the statistics around domestic violence are really so sad. I mean, I read that domestic violence claimed the lives of 62 people in 2017 and 47 people in 2018, and that's just in Wisconsin alone. Correct. So there definitely is a need out there for solutions to the senseless problem. So can you tell us how the Women's Center began and who it serves? Sure. So the Women's Center started in 1977, and it was five women who were... Um, social workers and counselors, and they were, you know, their client base uh, were coming to them and talking about issues that were going on in the home. And some needed some, it was a matter of life and death. And um, our five founders um, realized that there was no place for people to go to be safe if they, you know, if they need to flee their home. So they um, started the Women's Center in 1977. So we have been around for 42 years strictly because of demand mm. um, for our services. Sadly, right? Exactly. I well, mean, it's, sadly a bl- that the it's, demand it's a blessing and a curse that, right. that we exist. It's a good thing we're there, but it's unfortunate that domestic violence is as prevalent as it is. Yeah. And um, so they created this program model and, and we have literally stuck to it. Um, for 42 years. And, um, you know, we've been honored to have our five founders 
with us for, you know, for, for the journey and the evolution of the program. So who the Women's Center is designed to serve is adult and child survivors of domestic violence, child abuse, sexual assault, and human trafficking. Mm-hmm. And that's all ages, and that's all individuals. So despite our name being the Women's Center, males are also victims of sexual assault, trafficking, and domestic violence. And, and our programs are designed to work with anybody who has been affected by those uh, crimes. And sadly, the the awareness is is heightened now with the human trafficking situation, just mm-hmm. because it's so prevalent, not only in the cities but out in you know the the suburban areas as well. Correct, and in Waukesha, and mm-hmm. you know, but human trafficking is actually not a new phenomenon. This is it has been going on for as long as sexual assault, domestic violence, child abuse have, have mm-hmm. been going on. It's. Um, I think it's more prevalent. It's good that there's more awareness about it, but it's actually not a new phenomenon. Mm-hmm. These are crimes that have been going on since the history of humankind. Mm. That's that's a sad statistic. That's really sad. Um, well, what is it about the Women's Center that you find so rewarding to be a part of? You talked about these five women who yeah. got it started. How did you get involved in it, and what do you find so rewarding about it? Well, I've been in this field for 19 years now, and um, you know what, what's rewarding because it is difficult work, and as you said, it can be very heavy, um, uh, tragic. But what's rewarding is the courage and the bravery. It's you know when you when someone makes that decision to come forward and and get help, that takes a lot. It's a lot of courage. Um, you know, victims know themselves better than anybody else. So it, it's it's for them to make the determination as to what their next steps are on their healing journey. Um, so, you know, that that's always rewarding when, when someone comes forward, comes in, meets with a counselor and will say to me, you know, I, I had no idea that this happened to so many other people and that I could, that I could be that there would be help and support that people would believe me Mm -hmm. and that there's programming, you know, to, to help me, um, work through this and, and, you know, live violence free. So that's always rewarding. And of course it's when the kids come, you know, ripping through the building and are high fiving the counselors and, and, um, you know, because they have been working with the counselor overcoming their, their trauma and anxiety. So it's, you know, when you see, people's you know the milestones on their healing journey Mm. that's really rewarding i imagine and then you want to make sure that people know that they're not alone because i i would i would guess that isolation is a real could be could be a real problem if someone doesn't know that there's a place to go and that there are so many people that are out there willing to help you know isolation could be a really well and isolation is a key form of of uh an abusive relationship. You know, mm-hmm. often abusers will isolate their victim from family, friends, from the community. They will convince their victim that no one will believe you. So, right, they may not be aware of of the Women's Center, which is why we love what EIG is doing and yes. helping to um, raise awareness about the issue. Absolutely. Well, the statistics around domestic violence are staggering for sure and very sad, like we said. But um, were you aware, listeners, that one in three women will experience some kind of violence in their lifetime. That's 1 billion women worldwide. Billion with a B. Unbelievable. So what can we do about it? Well, we can educate ourselves like we're doing today. Um, We can educate our children, making sure that... um, our, not only our daughters, like you said, Angela, but our sons uh, are aware of what is 
going on out there and how they can be safe. Um, and we can support organizations, again, like the Women's Center, that are providing solutions. So stay tuned to hear what the Women's Center does exactly to provide that support. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Angela Mancuso from the Women's Center in Waukesha. Okay, so we said one billion plus women worldwide will experience some kind of violence in their lifetime. So share with us, Angela, what the Women's Center does specifically to to help. Sure. So our programs are rooted in intervention and prevention models. So um, we have an emergency crisis shelter with 32 beds. That's for individuals who need that immediate safe place to stay. And we have a 24-hour hotline as well. Um, and we do the rape crisis response for Waukesha County. So the shelter, the hotline, and our rape crisis response, those are our three 24-7, 365 programs. Never stops, never shuts down. Okay. And um, we also have a counseling model. So we have... Um, staff, counselors, and advocates who specialize in working with adults or children who have been affected by sexual assault or domestic violence. And they'll do one-on-one, short-term psychoeducational counseling. And then we also do support groups. Um, And we have an employment and life skills component. So it's job readiness training, mock interviews. Um, You know, we have a a job board. Um, Life skills, uh, we do a lot of financial literacy. Okay. And um, nutrition and health, um, you know, um, cooking classes, things like that. Um, We also have legal advocates who are co-located at the Women's Center in the Waukesha County Courthouse. So we're not dispensing legal advice. We're not lawyers, but we are helping with um, restraining orders, and we do court accompaniments um, and and really just helping um, individuals navigate the criminal justice system, which can be overwhelming for survivors. Um, We also have children's programming. So all of our our model for our adults, we, we model for children, and becomes age appropriate. You know, that's, that's, those are the intervention models. Um, on, the, on the prevention side, we are working in a lot of schools throughout Waukesha County because um, we, we need to reach people very young, very early on, right before they're entering into relationships and intimate mar- partner relationships. Um, so we like to work with, with children, and we're talking about um, – uh, healthy relationships, um, conflict resolution. We will work with very young children about trust. You know, identifying a trusted adult. Okay. Um, we, we address bullying and um, th- those kinds of behaviors. So we have a you know a curriculum that that we follow because um, that can be kind of tough. You know, yes. sometimes where when you're working with the young kids, you don't want to put ideas in their head certainly, right. but you want them to understand where someone's crossing the line. Right? Do you exactly. find that that's a challenge? Um, you know, it, it can be, I I think it's, um, we have to come up with, uh, you know, clever and creative ways and visuals and interactive, um, uh, games and, and lessons to, to really keep the attention. But I mean, a lot of kids, even very young kids, they, you know, they understand relationships, maybe just not that word, but it's like, who's, you know, who would you go to if you fell down and skinned your knee? Mm. You know, that's a trusted adult. And so we try to you know, put things together. And then for teens, you know, we, we talk a lot about, um, dating violence. We actually have a teen dating violence support group. Um, and, um, we'll work with 
will work with kids and well and adults in, in whatever way that they really need that kind of support. So, you know, I'm laundry listing our programs that doesn't give us a great indication of what we're doing um, because it's, what we're really doing is addressing the crime and the trauma with the individual who's in front of us. And everybody has unique and individual needs and um, that are complex. So... We don't have a cookie-cutter model. Sure. It's whatever someone needs. It might be having a baby shower because mom came to us with nothing but the baby in her belly, and so we're, we're going to give her a baby shower. It might be the six-year-old who it's his birthday, and he's living in shelter, so we're going to have a birthday party. Mm. You know, it's little things like that, and then it, it you know it's bigger things like um, we also have transitional living, so that's um, uh, subsidized housing that people can live in for up to two years and stay connected to our program. So Okay, when they find themselves in a dangerous exactly, situation. Right. Well, do you ever find that sometimes people view domestic violence as a private matter or, or sometimes they believe that, let's say someone is staying in an abusive relationship, then they think maybe the abuse must not be that bad? You know, right. what are your thoughts on that? All the time, you know, even in the 21st century, it's, you know, uh, with all the technology and, and awareness that, that we have about many things, um, the, the stigma around domestic violence and the myths and misperceptions are very pervasive. And that's one of the biggest ones is that it's a private matter. It's really not because one domestic violence incident in a family could be the difference between life and death and the impact, the ripple impact that that has going out on, a, on the whole community. Um, but it's it's also it's not going to go away. Abusers need to be held accountable, and if and if people are just ignoring, you know, a violent situation that's going on, um, that that does not help us put an end to the issue. And right, so why doesn't somebody leave an abusive environment? It must not be that bad. They must like it. What did they do to cause the mm. incident? You know, I mean, no one deserves to be abused. No one. It is never the victim's fault. And um, so we, you know, we do spend a lot of time working to address those um, misperceptions about domestic violence. Okay. Well, so let's say someone we care about is a victim of abuse or assault. What then can we do for them, either as a family member or maybe as maybe a neighbor witnesses some abuse? Um, what are we able to do? I mean, what should we do? Sure. Well, the the first and most important thing to do is to believe the individual. So if someone discloses to you that they are in an abusive relationship, believe them. You know, victim blaming is is rampant um, in today's day and age. So that's where the, well, what did you do to, oh. why, why did you guys, why did that happen? What did you do? You know, that's the, the sort of, or why don't you just fill in the blank? You know what you should do? You should fill in the blank. Okay. That, those are great statements to alienate a victim. Um, so it's really believing someone saying, I, I believe you. I'm here for you. What can I do to help you? You know, so steps number one. Um, it's also making sure you're not interfering in the, in, in the dynamic. Like I said, victims know themselves better than anybody else. And um, they will make a decision for themselves. Sometimes no decision is a decision. So... It's not that easy. Leaving an abusive relationship is a process. It's not an event. It doesn't just happen, you know, immediately. And oftentimes victims want the violence to end, not the relationship. Oh, you sure. Know, which is a, a reason why someone might stay in an abusive mm -hmm. environment. So um, it's, believing, it's believing them, offering support, um, offering just to be there. Like, I, I'm here for you if you need me. You know you can call me 24-7. 
It's also being aware of the resources and where you could refer a family member, friend, or neighbor. So obviously to the Women's Center. We have a 24-hour hotline. We're always available, always accessible to anybody. It could be the neighbor that wants to call our hotline and say, hey, this is going on. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you think I should do? What is that hotline number? It is 262-542-3828. One more time. 262-542-3828. Okay, we want to make sure people are aware of that. And then, do you only serve Waukesha County? I mean, let's say somebody outside Waukesha County comes to you. Do you have affiliates in different counties that you call, or do you say, you know, we're here for whoever? We are. We will work with any individual who has been harmed by domestic violence um, sexual assault, child abuse, and human trafficking. They do not have to come from Waukesha. Sometimes it's not safe for, for someone to stay in their own community. Mm. So we do work um, closely with our surrounding communities and counties, um, you know, making referrals back and forth. Um, and, you know, we're the only agency of our kind in Waukesha County. And if we're full in our shelter, we have to make referrals. So we, re- we rely heavily on our community partners. Okay. So October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. That's We started the show out by making sure everybody was aware of that. So how can people get involved, not only this month? I mean, obviously, it, it, it doesn't take place between October 1st and October 31st, right? Yeah. right? So So what can people do? Not only this month, but all year long. Sure. So um, this month we have a couple activities, and there's some community partners um, that are uh, involved with um, promoting Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So we have on our website a list of activities um, and and things that are happening. Um, But we also have our uh, volunteer opportunities on our website and our volunteer application. So we're always looking for um, support in that way. It's, uh, you know, we have um, having a shelter there's a lot of maintenance involved oh, with that, sure. so we're always yeah. looking for um, help and support uh, that way. And um, so I would say um, either calling us directly or going, um, following us on social media or um, on our website is the, the best way to keep apprised of um, what activities we have going on and what our volunteer needs are. And let's say somebody wants to help a family in some way, do they have to have some kind of medical background or counseling background? To volunteer? Yeah. No. Um, We do have, um, we require all volunteers who are going to work in the direct service, in the programming, to go through a pretty extensive training. It's about 20 hours, and then... um, then it's, you know, specific to the program. So it's a lot of training. You need to be empathetic and compassionate. Those are things we can't teach or train. Now that you got to bring. Right. But we, we will train and, and provide all the rest of the, the yeah. rest of the support so that someone um, can really do their volunteer work. It's really just going through the training and, and um, willingness to, you know, stick, stick with the, you know, the model that we have and, and sort of the requirements of that program. Sure. And just have a heart to help, right? Exactly. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So people listening to the show can help support these women by supporting the Women's Center, obviously. Um, do you have like a greatest need? I know you were talking about volunteers and um, how important the volunteer base is. Do you have like a, if someone were to ask what is your number one greatest need, what would that be? Um, everything. Uh, everything that previously stated right um right well of course you know we um so holidays are coming up and um we do a lot with our families um for the holidays we provide food baskets for thanksgiving for example so we're always looking for um support and individuals who want to um 
donate items for for our clients for the holidays. Um, we always have a running wish list um, of household items for our shelter. Um, and then, right, volunteers um, helping with special events and, um, you know, fundraising. We're, we are a nonprofit. We raise $1.3 million privately each year. Okay. Well, I know that you're located across from the Hope Center in Waukesha, yeah. so you could probably share resources, but let's say somebody has some things they want to drop off. Do they just call you, or, or is there a uh, a place that they can go to drop things off, some of these things that might be on people's wish list? Sure. Um, so we do ask that people contact us first um, before they bring the items. And, and if somebody has um, some items that maybe are not on our wish list, and want to know if that's something we can take, you know, we just ask that people, that people call us, um, and let us know. Cause we also like to meet, we like to, we like to say thank you and we, we want to meet our donors and yes. we like to say thank you. And I'm sure it's nice too, for people to come and see the facility. Exactly. You know, right. to see what their dollars go to or, or you know, what their time Right. If they're donating their time. So, okay, well, lots of good stuff here. Um, again, we don't want to skirt around the issue that is very real, um, but we want to make sure that people understand that there are organizations out there providing solutions, of which the Women's Center is, is one, and the only one in Waukesha That's County, right. right? So contact information, Angela. Who, Where should people go if they want more information? Uh, www.twcwaukesha.org or our 24-hour hotline, 262 542 3828. Wonderful. Okay, well, thank you very much for being here today. In our next segment, we'll talk with a nonprofit that is working with the Women's Center in helping support these families uh, with mental illness issues, which will ultimately give them the opportunity to reclaim their lives and rebuild their families. Stay tuned to learn more. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guest is Mary Madden, Executive Director of the National Academy of Mental Illness, or NAMI. Thank you for being here today, Mary. Thank you for having me, Jill. So why don't you start by telling us about your journey with NAMI and, and why are you so passionate about the work you do? And then we can talk more specifically about the different programs you offer and how you're partnering with the, with the Women's Center. But um, tell us about your journey. Okay, sure. So I um, actually became the executive director at NAMI Waukesha in 2008. Um, my total career uh, in mental health services is about 35 years, a little over 35 years. And um, before coming to NAMI, I actually worked um, in the service uh, sector of mental health services, mostly uh, running group homes for people uh, affected by severe and persistent mental illnesses um, who needed that group home placement. During that early part of my career, I had uh, a loved one of, of my own who um, dealt with a mental health, a pretty uh, significant mental health condition, and I became aware of NAMI at that time, <clears throat> and they helped me understand uh, my loved one's condition and uh, helped the family know how to uh, cope with it a little bit better, and then I just kind of forgot about NAMI. Um, one of the things that always uh, didn't quite sit well with me, though, uh, working with people living in group homes was why they seemed to be mostly abandoned by their families there. Mm -hmm. And and over the years, I got to read many uh, client charts 
and see many histories. And I could understand why the families um, probably felt some sense of relief and release by the time their loved one got to a group home. Because uh, the difficulties that the families had getting their loved one treatment, um, trying to understand their illness, um, trying to help them in recovery um, were, you know, just inconceivable to me. And um, I think we we sometimes forget about the caregiver. Right. You know, absolutely. Certainly you have the individual that is suffering from the the situation. But we also need to make sure that we're aware or paying attention to the caregiver. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And it's interesting, um, Jill, that you should say that because um, people who have a loved one who has a mental illness, um, they don't necessarily see themselves as caregivers. When we think about caregivers, we think about people being caregivers um, to our our parents or, um, you know, maybe somebody who's um, got a physical disability or something like that. But absolutely, um, there are caregivers for people that live with mental health uh, conditions, mental illnesses. And so um, when, when I saw this position available at NAMI back in 2008, I, a light bulb went off and I thought, that's what's missing. That's what's missing is the support for families. And, um, you know, although I had all this experience in mental health services at the time, my biggest asset to NAMI was that of a family member. NAMI, um, all NAMIs, which is, uh, NAMI is a national organization and we have local affiliates. So Waukesha is one of our local affiliates. They are all run from a peer-based perspective. Okay. They were in fact, um, started in 1979 in Madison, um, with three moms who are sitting around a table and talking about, um, how to advocate better for their loved ones who had, uh, schizophrenia. Mm. And out of that was born uh, this grassroots movement of families helping families and individuals living with um, their own mental health conditions, helping others to find recovery and um, to really just help share that hope and and let people know that they aren't alone. Mm. Leave it up to the moms, right? Right. Yeah, moms unite. Yep. Yay. So, but you had a personal experience. And so you said, I've lived this, mm-hmm. I've done it. I think I have a way that I can contribute and contribute in a way that you haven't seen. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly NAMIs were contributing um, in that way since their inception. And NAMI in Waukesha became organized in 1982 with a a group of family volunteers. But I hadn't, um, you know, other than, than that brief period of time, when I had when I sought NAMI services, I hadn't really delved into what it is to um, hold that hope for a family member who who can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Sure. And that's really what we're that's really what we're about through our support and education and advocacy. Um, it's really about helping that family, that individual, find their way to recovery. Mm. So. Who do you serve then? We had talked with Angela prior to mm-hmm. about Waukesha County specifically. You said NAMI is all over the state, all over the country, the country mm-hmm. actually. Um, so, so do people call you and just say, I, I think I need an appointment or I have a loved one or, you know, who, who do you serve? So we, um, we serve anybody that's impacted by a mental health. Um, it does it doesn't even have to 
rise to the level of an illness. Um, anybody who is dealing with some sort of mental health crisis, challenge, um, or Can condition. I call for somebody else? Absolutely. Okay. And people do. Um, family members, other loved ones um, call all the time. Um, what, what we can't do is if that person, if they're calling for someone else and that person doesn't want to engage in services, there, there's really nothing that we can do about that. Okay. What we can do, though, is help the family understand um, maybe why that is, um, help them to understand how to cope with that. Um, knowledge that their loved one um, maybe doesn't have insight into their illness or doesn't want to seek services or doesn't want to take medication. We can support the family. We can teach the family and help them um, to be able to support their loved one in the best way they can. So those are some of the different programs. So if we were to say, you know, okay, so NAMI's a national organization. They do all this great stuff. But if I'm somebody that wants to learn more about it, about the specific uh, programs that you offer, um, what would those be? Those would be um, some of our NAMI signature programs, such as Family to Family. It's a um, it's a twelve week class, um, and offered free of charge uh, for anybody who is living or loving somebody impacted by a mental health condition. Um, there's another class called Basics that is a six week class for um, uh, parents and caregivers that have somebody under the age of eighteen. We have a variety of support groups, including a survivors of suicide support group. Um, we provide homeless outreach services, uh, and in the, in the community, um, right now we have the only outreach team in Waukesha County, um, who does active outreach. Um, but our, our outreach is specifically for people who are homeless, um, and, and living with a mental health condition or substance use condition. We, um, we do a lot of community education. Um, one That's of, key. It is. It's I mean, you key. first have to understand it, right? Right. I mean, yes, absolutely. So some of those programs I talked about um, just a few minutes ago, the f educating the family, educating the individual, that's one thing. But if they're living in a community that doesn't accept them or is doesn't understand or um, doesn't know how to deal with somebody in a mental health crisis, um, you know, th that's not going to help them be stable in their recovery. And so one of the programs that we instituted in 2010 was crisis intervention training for law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And that's a 40-hour class um, for patrol offers to help them understand um, how to work with somebody dealing with a mental health crisis. And so that's a that's been a, a a big program for us. We've trained more than half of the law enforcement officers in Waukesha County in that program. Well, that's wonderful. I mean, we talk a lot too on the show about collaborative efforts. Mm -hmm. You know, let's, how can we work with other people that are either doing the same thing that we're doing or can somehow provide some service that aligns with, with what we're doing. And so that's a great example Absolutely. Of, of doing just that. So, um, well, many people who struggle with mental illness are challenged not only by the symptoms and their disabilities, but also by the stereotypes and the prejudices that result from misconceptions about mental illness. So stay tuned as we talk more with Mary Madden from NAMI about the stigma. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome 
back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking with Mary Madden of NAMI, the National Academy of Mental Illness. So we understand that people who struggle with mental illness have challenges, not only by the symptoms and the disabilities that result from the disease, but also with the stereotypes and the prejudices that are associated with it. So what can we do then to shift the stigma that surrounds mental illness? Well, I, you know, one of the things we like to say at NAMI is language matters. It really does. Um, and, uh, you know, terms, even terms like mental illness or the mentally ill are extremely stigmatizing. And while the term mental illness is in our name, NAMI, um, it, it still is something that it feels like some outdated terminology. Okay. If we look at um, a mental health, a mental illness or mental health um, situation as uh, a medical condition, as it should be looked at, um, because it is, um, it's a medical condition of the brain, um, then, you know, we should, we should terminate, termina- use terminology that is consistent with what we use for other medical, um, conditions. Okay. So besides the language, you know, what, what would you hope that, or what would you hope that people would say or do or not say or not do? when they come across somebody that uh, has a a mental health condition? Sure. Well, first, we want to make sure that um, people use person-first language. And person-first language is, um, I'm not going to say, hey, look at John, he's a schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. Um, But rather, this is John, he lives with schizophrenia. If you even have to say anything about his diagnosis, because I'm not sure why we have to say things about people's diagnosis. Um, You know, we don't introduce somebody and say, hey, this is John. He lives with diabetes. Sure. But we seem to um, feel the need uh, to to do that. When when people call us at NAMI, we don't, quite frankly, I don't care what their diagnosis is. We don't know the diagnosis of most people or if they have a diagnosis. What we're concerned about is where they're at in their life today and what can we do to assist them. And so, um, you know, with, with people, um, you know, if they're, if they're living with or working with or, um, you know, um, dealing with somebody who lives with a mental health condition, it's, it's not, it shouldn't be about their diagnosis any, any more than it should be about somebody's diagnosis with heart disease. Um, and so, you know, we, it's the language thing, but then also educating yourself. There is what most people see about mental health conditions is what they see through media. And, um, unfortunately, um, what we see are we, we see horrible things that happen, uh, mass shootings or, um, or movies, um, such as the Joker that portray people with mental health conditions as violent people. The reality is, is that people who deal, who live with mental health conditions are much more likely to be victims than they are to perpetuate violence. And so, um, you know, educating yourself so that you're, you're not afraid. Stigma comes out of, um, ignorance. It comes out of fear um, and educating yourself um, and understanding that those 
the the things that you see in movies, the things that you see um, in media when a tragedy happens, when a mass shooting happens, that is not the face of mental illness. Um, the face of mental illness is silent. Um, it it may be your mailman or male person. It might be your teacher. It could be um, your sister, your brother. Um, you know, the clerk at the store. By and large. We don't know who's walking around in our community who is living with a mental health condition because it's silent, because people don't disclose, because they can't disclose, or they don't feel comfortable disclosing um, for fear of um, being viewed differently because of their um, illness. So let's say somebody is witnessing an individual that uh, in their quick assessment, they may think this person is dealing with some some things. Um, does NAMI allow anybody then to call and just say, you know, I'm I'm fearful. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know what's going on. We we definitely uh, agree with you on the whole education piece mm-hmm. and how you can't make a decision about something unless you have the information about it. Absolutely. And so that's kind of the first, the first step is, is education. Mm-hmm. So you said that NAMI provides education, um, through seminars or something, or c- again, Absolutely. can somebody just call and say, you know, I'm just not sure about this situation. Yep. Absolutely. Um, they can. And, you know, we, we provide conferences, um, we provide, uh, you know, we can provide short presentations. We've had uh, groups call us in. Uh, we we did training for the Waukesha, uh, the city of Waukesha library system, um, not long ago. A half a day training, um, so people can call and ask um, if if we can do specific training for them. But also because we've got that outreach team, if if somebody is feeling like somebody sees somebody who they think might be homeless, that might be um, dealing with mental health issues, um, you know, they can certainly call us. And in fact, downtown businesses in Waukesha call us all the time. Um, And we've provided some education for them um, to, you know, try to connect with people, try to get them resources um, and uh, just develop a rapport with them so that um, they understand that they're not alone and that there is help available. Okay. So, okay. So speaking of help, you know, it sounds like you would need people with counseling backgrounds to help, but you're saying that you have this peer to peer model. Exactly. So So, if someone listening is saying maybe they had somebody in their family, a loved one that is experiencing a mental health issue, they want to reach out and give of their time. Can they? Absolutely. Okay. So um, it's a family member. Let's use a family member as a specific um, example. If a family member uh, wanted to reach out and give of their time, what we would ask them to do is um, go through our family-to-family education program. And and then if they felt that they uh, could be a facilitator for that program, um, then we would um, get them the necessary training to be a facilitator for that program because all of our programs are facilitated by people with lived experience. And we are always looking for additional volunteers to help us manage those programs, whether it's a support group um, or or those specific education programs. Okay. So would, so 
that's kind of what differentiates you from other organizations that do similar things as this peer-to-peer Absolutely. Model. It's absolutely okay. what differentiates us. Okay. Um, so as a nonprofit, you undoubtedly have needs that the public can help with. Absolutely. Um, what would you say is your greatest need right now? I'm just, I'm going to say it, put it right out there. It's money. Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, it Show is. Show me the money, right? Show yes, me the money. absolutely. <laughs> okay. And, um, That's you, a very real thing. It, it is I a, mean, yeah. it is a very real thing. We, uh, we serve about 6,000 people a year and we have less than a million dollar operating budget and it is all um, done through um, either public support or uh, services that we're able to contract um, with local county government and things like that. Okay, so money or, or uh, gifts uh, of the green color are probably yes, <laughs> are probably yes. what you and need. And volunteers. Most. I mean, okay. we we um, we can't. We have a staff of eighteen. Um, we could not possibly provide services for over 6,000 people without a huge uh, cadre of volunteers. And so um, we always need volunteers. We are currently uh, providing ending the silence programs in our high schools. And we have more high schools that want us to expand. We need speakers. We need people who can present for that, young adult speakers who are willing to come and tell a little bit about their story. Mm. Um, And we are always looking for people um, to do those sorts of things. Okay. Well, again, another organization that we we don't have enough time to go into all the wonderful ways that you're making an impact. But if someone listening wants to get through to you, uh, contact information, websites, phone numbers. Website would be namiwakasha.org. And our phone number is 262 five two four eight 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 six and press zero and they will direct your call okay um now i assume you have a facebook page or we do have a facebook page nami wakasha okay now that's easy to remember that's easy nami wakasha okay well i want to thank my guest today angela mancuso who's the executive director of the women's center in wakasha and mary madden executive director of nami the national academy of mental illness Thank you both for all you do to bring help to women experiencing physical and mental abuse and to people who struggle with mental illness issues every day. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. If you would like further information about the people or the organizations we talked to today, or if you'd like to be considered as a guest for our show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. There are a few ways to listen to the show. You can either tune in on the AM dial at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, or you can download the iHeartRadio app or even ask Alexa to play WISN AM 1130. You can also visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to the podcast, or you can now listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. So join us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to hear some great people who share how their nonprofit is making a difference in our community. And then if their message resonates with you, do something about it. Everybody can do something. Share your talents, your treasures with someone, and I guarantee you will be blessed because of it. Go out and find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great day.